0: I'm sure everybody knows of our next speaker, the founder and um, CEO of Ryanette, of which he started just like everybody else with Humble Beginnings and has grown into a 40000000000 dollars ish business. Um, and um, Really exciting to have him here, not just to talk about screen printing though, but more on the business side because... Uh, Ryan is someone who I ask random questions about business all the time, just as somebody who's seen a lot and been there, done that type. So, um, of course, I think what, even more than that, he's also helped educate and train tens if not more, hundreds of thousands of shops just all over through YouTube and video marketing for, I think I found the oldest videos is 10 years or so ago. So uh, it's greeny and button-ups and everything. So um, thank you, Ryan Moore, for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you, Bruce. OK. So it has been a uh, great talk so far. Uh, Rick, your talk was hilarious. You uh, guys, great job. Uh, I, this has been really cool to see. So I met Bruce, What was it, 2011? 2010 or 11? He looked younger than he does now. <laughs> uh, that's possible. Uh, we sat in a restaurant somewhere, uh, talked about business. Uh, he came out and met our team, uh, and we've been working together ever since. And see this thing grow organically and how he's done it, has been just an incredible uh, journey. And like he said at the very beginning, you guys are all a part of something. Not just a software platform, but a community as well. It's in you know, a away. So good job, man. All right. So I'm going to talk about Growth. So the name of the topic is as big as you want. Um, I liked what several people have said, like, hey, maybe we should have stayed in the garage. Uh, And then we have people like Zazzle here that is huge. So it's it's really, it's it's up to you. Uh, And what I'm going to share is kind of lessons that I've learned along the way uh, about, thanks Alex for texting me a picture of myself. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Lessons that I've learned along the way in order to, to grow and, oh, what just happened to my computer there. In order to grow and, you know, it's interesting looking back. So this is kind of like a, when I did this, this was a di- dichotomy of like, hey, uh, why do we grow, why do we fail in this perspective, why do we grow in this perspective? And what business practice or what business um, rule essentially, because business is a process. And processes typically have rules. So, if you're able to find out what rules work for your business, uh, you're able to replicate them and then recreate what works and then avoid what doesn't work. So, this is kind of our growth path. I'm going to be referring back to this chart uh, throughout the course of, of this. We've been around for 15 years. This is our 15th year in business. Um, this one cuts off in 2017, because we're going to talk about an interesting 2018 year a little bit uh, later. But, this all started with uh, my first shirt. That's the first shirt I ever printed. Uh, the name of my band was Alloy. Um, changed to not long after. One of the speakers tomorrow, John Ladd. John, where you at? He's here somewhere. Um, or not. But he's, he was on our, our record label. Uh, his name of his band was 710 Split. The name of our band was not long after. We played shows you know, in Atlanta together, so it's crazy to see uh, this rock and roll kind of come around. How many people play music here? How many people were bands? why aren't you more proud of that? (laughs) I was in a bad recovery. Uh, This is the first press we ever sold. Uh, So this picture was taken in 2003 in January. Uh, That is a kickstand from my dad's shop vac, uh, a a cutting board from Kroger, and um, a wood screen. Sold it for $200. It's like a This is me in my, this is my first office, so I was kind of dissecting what was I drinking during this time. Um, I believe this was at a party, I think that's some vodka Red Bull, a couple of waters to stay hydrated, and some kind of insect bug repellent because it had air conditioning and had to keep the door open to keep cool. Um, my wife Amanda, she's up there, you want to say hi? So she was our fifth team member. She found me like this um, with paperwork everywhere. She said, hey, are you going to pay those bills? And I'm like, who wants to pay bills? This sounds horrible. She's like, can I pay bills for you? I'm like, yes. You have money to pay bills? I'm like, I think so. Um, so she worked at it for the first uh, five years until we had twins. And uh, it was a crazy time. So we grew. This is our actual growth. So I actually broke this down and did the math. Um, so, our first year we grew um, not that big, we only did $217,000 our first year, second year we did $4 million, our um, third year we did $8 million. Um, so our compound growth rate over uh, the last 15 years is almost 44%. Uh, we did have a dip and I'll talk about what happened last year uh, but we're back on track this year. Um, so lessons learned throughout that growth path and you see the bigger growth, why did, why did big growth happen in 2010 to 2012? Why did big growth happen in 2015? Um, and then why did it slow down in other periods? And so learning a lot about business, I've been able to take the, those lessons and kind of extrapolate down like what happened here and what happened there. And that's kind of what I wanted to share with you today. So there's 10 principles that we're going to talk about. First of is a brand. Like what is a brand? What's your purpose? What's your mission? Uh, Lucas was talking about that, but dive a little bit deeper and differently in that. Also your products, your product segments. Um, your marketing and your customers and your customer segments. So how do those uh, relate to what your growth strategy is or how you're growing or not growing? Um, then your sales and your sales channel, which we just talked about a little bit as well when it comes to hiring people. And how are you delivering value? Because again, this is not up to us. You know, we don't get to choose how fast we grow or if we fail. Who chooses that is our customer base. And then what business processes and systems are you using to run your business? Then how are you getting money and how does your cash flow look? Uh, And then who are your partners and investors? And then what's your team look like in successions? So I'm going to go through these, and then I'll leave with lessons learned in each of those. And actually, not lessons, but really more questions for you to think about as you move forward. So we started out, that was me programming a a website in my bedroom. Uh, So I started out, uh, oh, I'm also going to talk about blue oceans. Has anyone ever read the blue ocean strategy? So I'm going to talk about like, I believe that we've had three blue oceans that we've uh, come across. They're no longer blue oceans for us because blue oceans only last so long. So talk about that and then how to find the next one. Um, so we started out with a marketing platform. I started out with this website. This, was, this is proof that you can be a, a multi-million dollar e-commerce website and your website can look like utter shit. Um, this was a, a templated website software that I built. Uh, my dad invested in our business. I built in my bedroom. Um, and it wasn't about the website. the website was functional you could order from it. what it was about was the marketing system. so there used to be this amazing tool uh, Charles, you might remember this if you it was called overture yes. so overture was freaking awesome. You could go in there and you could type in any keyword and it would tell you how exactly how many people were looking for these things so you could just type in t-shirts or screen printing or screen printed t-shirts and you can then go see who was bidding on these keywords and figure out how much you had to pay to be number one, two or three because that's the game. If you're not one, two or three in advertising, you're probably nowhere. Um, So this was an amazing tool that we used to figure out an ad strategy that boosted our business from $200,000 in 2004 to $4 million in 2005. And all we did is we came up with an advertising ROI metric. So if we have a 1% conversion rate, uh, meaning that one out of every 100 people visiting our website would buy, um, our average sale was uh, $100 and we made $20 profit per sale. That means that we could bid 20 cents a keyword, a click, and not lose money. Um, When I figured that out, it was like going to the lottery. Um, it was like going to a slot machine, putting money in, and then getting money out every single time. I kept our ad budget around 5% and just essentially spent more money, and the revenue came right back. Now, there are still tools like this they are not nearly as friendly, but the point that really helped this tool work for us was not the fact that we used this tool. I used this tool for a year. It was what clicked for me as our ad strategy and our ROI. So what's your ROI baseline that if you spend a dollar, what are you gonna get out of it? I mean, who wouldn't spend a dollar and get 10? If you if I gave, if you give me a dollar and give you ten back, how many times would you do that? <laughs> it's crazy, you know? And I'll use another example uh, throughout the later course of our we used to spend a lot, we still spend a lot of money on trade shows. We spend way more money on trade shows than I ever thought we'd ever spend. Um, we stopped doing trade shows for a year and we saw our business decline a little bit, or at least you stopped growing. We thought trade shows lost money for us. It wasn't until we measured it and we figured out, yeah, trade shows weren't as good as our internet marketing, but they still gave us a 10 uh, an 8x return. So that means I'm handing you a dollar, you're handing me eight back. You know, that can be a winning proposition. So you got to know that for your business. And once you know that, spending money on advertising becomes a no-brainer. So next, once you have your marketing strategy dialed in, we really dialed in our sales channels. So our main sales channel uh, was our website to start. Now, our website didn't work very well, so we had a phone number. And the phone number, you had to have people answer the phone. So our second sales channel was customer service. So if you see this chart, um, this is low cost. This is high cost per transaction. So the lowest cost per transaction are typically transactions that happen without who? People. Okay. People are expensive. They make mistakes. They're slow, they're lazy, they, they come into work hungover sometimes. Sometimes they're freaking awesome, you know, but they're unpredictable. So the lowest cost per transaction is something that doesn't happen with a person. Then you have different levels of cost per transaction. Now, it's also interesting that the higher value is added, the more people are involved. So um, as we go up, these are our most expensive sales to our least expensive sales. So this is Laurel. She's actually moved on to sales, uh, but she started in our all-made customer service team. Um, this is Daryl. Daryl, what's up man? He's out here. Uh, he just transitioned from inside sales, so this is inside sales to outside sales. So inside sales, you got somebody on the, they can, they can, they're not traveling, they're not buying dinners, you know, they're on a computer and they're on a phone call, so your overhead's still relatively low, but they're actually talking to people now and they're actively selling. Now you have outside sales, uh, account managers. Now account managers they don't talk to everyone. They only talk to a select number of people. So their book of business is not as big as an inside salesperson, um, but they have more loyal customers. So this is Josh Wells. He's been with us for almost 10 years now. He's one of our account managers. And then you have the outside sales guys. Those guys are expensive. So uh, <laughs> this is this is Charlie. Um, not our most expensive outside sales guy ever, uh, but. Charlie's got to get on planes, he's got to fly to Europe, he's got to fly to, you know, to, to see a client here, but the sales that he does are huge. You know, he's doing multi-hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales. And So high cost, high value, he's in their shop, he's seeing what's going on, uh, but it's also a lot very expensive to do that versus a website that literally just takes orders with no one doing it. Um, so where are your sales channels and where you're investing? when I see screen printing shops invest in this, I've known two shops, both um, superior who's here um, and then uh, printed threads just started adding this category right here where they were just you know this category and they're seeing great results from that. So um, how can you grow a sales team? Um, Sam who's here has an amazing outside sales team and an inside sales team. so it's like it's really seeing that and seeing companies that do this sales channel well and how they use that is really how to grow a business very quickly. But again, you got to make sure that these guys aren't putting you out of business because they can do that as well because they can their, their expense budgets can go crazy. You know, can you spend $100,000 a year flying somewhere pretty easily. So next we got into our product segments. So we started, so we had customers, so customer segments. We started selling screen printing supplies. And um, this was our first press. It was a startup kit. Okay? So, um, but we didn't market startup kits only. We marketed inks. We marketed uh, screens. So we had screen printers from all different sizes visiting our website. What, we, what helped us grow in that beginning was advancing our product segments. So we started out with just manual presses, tabletop, literally built out of wood. They were, they were built out of metal. Then we graduated to metal presses. So this is our semi-pro kit. Forever, this was our most like popular item. It was $1,000. Did anyone start with a silver press? So that silver press, we sold, I don't know, 25,000 of them or something like that and added a lot of value to, to people's lives. Uh, but it only cost $1,000. When we got into selling Riley Hopkins packages and digital printers in 2006, 2005, 2006, uh, those cost a lot more. So this package right here sold for twenty-five dollars or $30,000. And I'd be, I remember being on like my couch watching TV and seeing these orders come in for like $25,000, $30,000 selling these digital printers or packages online. That was a good night. More vodka Red Bulls for all. Uh, but again, twenty-five dollars or $30,000. Uh, it wasn't until we started selling automatic equipment, so we actually partnered with m and and put together a program with the Diamondback that we sold nationwide, uh, and that allowed us to grow because that package was $60,000 to $100,000, and I remember selling those online. It's crazy to see like, how we took the same customer base and just essentially started to expand our, our product portfolio to offer them different things. So what are your customers, and what aren't they buying from you? What could you you know, buy from them? The other thing about this is that we went into vertical manufacturing. So instead of just being a supplier, we became a manufacturer. And so um, right now, we're like the only company that we know of that manufactures, distributes. So we make ink, we make equipment, uh, we sell automated equipment, manual equipment, we make t-shirts, we educate, and we do supplies. So we're, we're trying to build a platform that can serve our customer base holistically. Um, And that's been beneficial for us and and helped us get to much higher levels. Uh, This is kind of the breakdown of our product segments. So first of all, we have about 30,000 customers. Our largest customer is less than 1% of our business, so we have really good customer um, diversity. We're not reliant on the Nike or the one customer to give us all of our business. Our business is actually split relatively evenly in thirds, so between our manual packages and Riley Hopkins equipment about a third of our business. Our consumables are about a third of our business, and our automatic equipment is a little bit more than a third of our business. Um, our revenue still primarily comes from our sales channels, not our website. So our website is getting better and actually is up 15% this year because we're really developing it, and that's where we're growing. So it's been cool to see. We used to get like 600 phone calls a day. Now we get 200 phone calls a day, and our sales are growing. So we've doubled our web team, but our inside sales team has stayed the same as far as headcount. Um, and because we're, we're growing our web presence, uh, we're, we do a little bit of business with channel partners like Amazon or international distributors, but most of it comes through our own channels. And then um, our opportunity pipeline so we use CRM system to track how much new business is coming to us uh, next year. And kind of walking through with somebody yesterday on an opportunity process. So, for instance, here, this is Print Hustlers 19. We're in our CRM system, we're going to have a code that says Print Hustlers 19. If we talk to anyone here, uh, if we've never met anyone, um, first of all, and you enter our system, you're always going to be tagged that we met you at this conference. So, back to ROI, we can use the investment we used to give the fly here and sponsor the conference and print shirts to how successful it was forever in our system. Now, if we talk to you about a, an, an opportunity, so for instance, I talked to a few people this morning about getting into all may shirts. That starts an opportunity, that, that opportunity gets tagged as a Print Hustlers 19 opportunity. So again, looking at our ad spend for the end of the year when we're planning next year, we can look back and say, hey, those Print hustler conferences are kicking ass for us. Let's do them again next year. Or this conference or this trade show was not good at all we should think about either doing it smaller or different based on our ROI on that ad spend. We track that very closely uh, and, and make sure that it's, it's a good thing to do. So, interesting looking at the core of a business. Every business should have a, a mission, vision, and values. Looking back at our history, we did this way backwards. First of all, we didn't have it to begin with. We just started doing business. Then in 2014, we came up with our mission, which was powering the print, really empowering creativity. Wasn't until a couple years after that, even just a few years ago, we really started to develop a vision, like make it better when All Made Apparel came in and we wanted to just take this industry and improve the value stream of it, improve the environmental impact of it, improve the humanitarian impact of it. Um, our values came a little bit earlier, but still seven years after we started, uh, which is be true, serve, work hard, and smart, be the best, and be better, and then uh, be positive, embrace the craziness of this this industry that we're in, and this business that always changes. So. I wish I would have done this like at the very beginning, you know. And, and starting a company, all made three years ago, we were able to do this from the very beginning, and the impact of it has been much, much better than doing it in the background. So if you haven't done the work to, to you know, really identify your vision, your mission, and if you can't create a hashtag out of that, it's probably too complicated to, to explain. Like how many, you know, if you go on those websites and read these mission statements that are like, okay, you know. So make it simple, uh, make it easy, and. Um, and share it. So we will talk a little bit about brands. So these are our marketing team has really done an amazing job branding Ryan and then the brands that we work with. Um, but to me, a brand isn't like a logo and a product that you sell. To me, a brand is this. You know, to me is brand a brand is going to Portugal with 35 screen printers from the US and having a blast. Because your brand lives in your customers' minds, hearts. And uh, lives, not in what you tell them. So, what are your customers saying about your brand? Uh, and how are you creating a culture and a community that can really change and you know shift what a brand is to the people that actually wear it um, every day? So, this I'm going to go back to the growth, the path here, and then kind of look at what happened here. So, in 2004, we came up with a marketing system, and we. You know, really expand our sales channels and our product segments. Um, our growth really kind of dialed off through the recession and did not really grow again until 2010 range when we, we didn't add product lines. Um, so as we added the automatic product line through MNR and then ROC, we really started to grow again. But then it kind of curtailed off because we didn't have any business systems to support it. So we had to build business systems in order to support it. Um, then we started to grow again in 2015 uh, to 2018 range because we offered something different that no one had in order for us to expand our customer segments to get our products into different customers that we never had gotten in before. And then in 2018, uh, we kind of had to do a little bit of a rework. So that's where I'll we'll talk about team. So um, a team is basically. So this is our executive team as the beginning of this year. In business, there's innovators and there's integrators. And you have to have both to run the business. So myself and Roger, we're innovators. Um, if innovators take over the business, they will likely run the business out of uh, business. Um, and if integrators, so this Brandon, uh, Don, and Jim. Uh, they're so boring. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but if integrators run the business, it's, it's likely going to you know stagnate. So it's, it's a balance between the two. Now, we were way too heavy on the innovative side for a very long time. And so uh, we actually were way too heavy. We, we took the innovator um, out of the equation for the most part. And this is who's running the business now. So what we're figuring out, because the innovators, myself included, almost put us out of business um, because we ran out of cash as we were growing. And I'll talk about a cash-giver cycle in a second here. So I really respect um, our CFO, Brandon, um, our president, uh, Jim, who comes from a manufacturing background, because they've helped us implement processes and systems and disciplines that we didn't have before that have literally saved our business. And um, now we're f- going to figure out how to make the two live together. So what they've helped us do is uh, what they've helped us implement a systematic process. And that involves three different things. So you have your process, which is documentation of how you run your business. Your systems, which are the systems like Printavo that your business runs these processes in. And then you have your people. Um, it takes all those three things working together to make a business work. So are your processes documented? Does that documentation work with the system that you run your business in and do your people know how to use them and are they improving them? If that works, your business can do anything and you don't even have to be there. If that doesn't work, you're going to have to constantly be going back and fixing it. Um, So this business process is something that we've uh, really dived into and lean manufacturing uh, has really helped us improve our margins. And again, I think to save our business. This is a picture of Robo. Um I was at Lucas' shop. They have all their processes dialed in, like on a whiteboard. So, this is what, what process was this? Again. It was a cellular flow. The cellular flow. So, that every single part of the process, the inputs, the outputs, um, and they have their team do it. So, taking the time to do that, I mean, huge and and very impressive to see that in a shop. I don't see this often. Um, But here's the dichotomy of what we're at. So this is actually a picture from an ASI presentation I just saw yesterday. Um, We have your continuous business happening over here, your systematic process, and we have your discontinuous creative thinking. Um, So this is where the innovator lives, this is where the integrator lives. It takes both because how many companies, Blackberry, Blockbuster video are no longer here because they didn't change or innovate fast enough. That's not what you want to be So the trick is getting these two to interact But this one not to run the show and this one not to run the show but them to live harmoniously Now let's talk about red oceans and blue oceans. So we're in a very competitive space You know the the screen printing industry the promotional products industry is crazy lots of people doing it low cost to entry It's a very red ocean. So a blue ocean is essentially the ability to take a market, to take an industry and to complete a a, a new way of doing business that you don't have to have competition anymore. You know, there's no sharks in the water, you're not getting killed every day. Um, So what are some blue oceans and how can you create them in the industry? So looking back at our history, um, the first was again online marketing, second, uh, what really helped us grow is education and the YouTube platform. MR was a huge part of our growth because it allowed us to have a different piece of equipment that we could sell at a higher value. Uh, the brand integration from Rock, Ryanet, Riley integration uh, in 2012 was great. Uh, our Rock rental program, which I'll get into a little bit, uh, which allowed us to give financing to people that didn't have financing and really expand our customers and their business, and then finally all made. Um, so what? What out of these were blue oceans, and why were they blue oceans? So first of our first blue ocean was our internet. We were the first one there. Uh, we figured out how to market online, and absolutely killed it. Is it a still blue ocean for us? How many screen print web you know companies have screen print supply companies have websites? Everyone does now. You know, and so it's no longer a blue ocean. We still kill it in this space, but it's no longer a blue ocean. It's now a very red ocean. Um, YouTube, second Blue Ocean, I believe. We were the first people on YouTube to have a a video on screen printing. Not quite the first, but one of the first. And we really dived into that, not just with YouTube, but with with education that supported that. Hands-on education. Are there a lot of people on YouTube making screen printing videos now? Tons. Tons, right? So, uh, no longer a Blue Ocean. In fact, our video-like views suck now. Uh, you know, I, uh, overall they're still great, but comparatively to what we used to get, like a tenth of what we used to get. Um, and then our rock rental program, which was an interesting way to finance equipment. And I actually want to have a customer uh, come up. Erin, you want to come up? Uh, I want to ask her a few questions because I think whenever you're trying a new program, you always want to fire bullets. Um, Barrel maker printing was the first bullet that we fired here, uh, so they were the guinea pig. Ricky said, don't be a guinea pig. Uh, so I'm gonna have a guinea pig uh, come up and ask her a couple questions. So here, so Aaron, where were you guys at when you uh, were introduced to that rental program?
1: Um, so I think it was 2011. And uh, we were doing pretty good business. We had um, one used automatic and one used dryer that we bought cash. Um, and it kind of wasn't working out for us. It was an, um, an older gauntlet and we had MNR techs in our shop constantly um, and we were also in a really tight space. We had to move um, and we got a, a large order that we knew we weren't going to be able to do on, with what we had. So we kind of approached Ryan um, and I think... Um, maybe just started selling the rocks, or it's pretty new um, when Ryanette started selling rocks. And we were kind of like, what can we do? Um, Our credit wasn't that good. So we kind of, we did like a personal guarantee, you know, it's not something we wanted to do, we wanted to run it through our business credit, um, which we really had none. Um, So Ryan um, offered a rental program, uh, like a rent-to-own, program <laughs> so, so it really enabled us to get an automatic and and go forward
0: the concept was is that we had good credit okay and uh, this equipment was gonna be worth something so we would buy the equipment and then we'd finance it and we make a money uh, we make money every single month on that financing fee um, so I thought the concept was crazy but then barrel came to me and they said we need this thing I was like hey, hey maybe this would work so I pitched it to them Do you remember that pitch at all
1: I'm sorry, I don't remember the pitch. <laughs> well, and I, I kind of, that's on me. I kind of, never gets anybody gets salesy, I kind of gray out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: I do remember what I thought of it, but... Well,
0: what did you think of it?
1: Maybe he'll give you the
0: pitch now. No, what did you think of it?
1: Um, well, I thought it was a... One, we had a, a press that we were selling, and a dryer that we were selling. <laughs> and so, I was like, I never want to do this again. Like, I don't want to have to sell a piece of equipment, like, crate it up you know, freight it. I don't want to deal with that again, especially while we were moving, so it was really attractive in that way. And also, um, I thought it uh, allowed a lot of flexibility uh, because technology moves pretty quickly and I thought, well, I'm not going to be stuck with this if I end up wanting something different or if I want a bigger press or I want to add something in line or something like that. Um, it just seemed like it would, it would work a little better than you know buying and selling all the time.
0: So how many uh, presses did you guys use in that program? You went from one press to how many?
1: Um, we, let's see, this is, I think this gets a little tricky. So we did, I know we did two presses on the rental program. One of them we ended up upgrading pretty um, drastically through the rental program, um, just getting you know a bigger press. Um, we also, um, not only really did it help us with that first move, uh, but we also have moved since then, and we were really able to it gave us kind of flexibility to design our space and not have pieces of equipment laying around that we maybe wouldn't fit or whatever. Um, so we, we, we set up, you know, maybe we're a bigger press, so we did that. And um, we also uh, did a dryer through the rental program. And then we got to a place where we really um, had the work that necessitated a split belt. Um, so we were able to kind of upgrade that um, pretty like smoothly. I mean, so it was, it's worked out well for us. Thanks, Ryan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it was all uh, sugar canes and lollipops. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the thing that I, w- uh, thank you, Aaron. Give a round of applause. We're uh, that, okay? So our Blue Oceans, the reason why they were Blue Oceans is because it wasn't because we came up with a great idea. Is because they offered a tremendous amount of value to our customers, you know? Whether easy access to ordering supplies online, easy education or easy financing, that's why they turned into Blue Oceans. And when you're in a Blue Ocean, you should like figure out how much gas you have to get out there so that you don't get freaking stuck. Um, that's what happened with us because of cash. So uh, well, I wanted to end all this and then in a few tips uh, at the very end, but cash and funding is important. So we started this rental program, we didn't know how it was successful it was going to be. We got a, a, you know, we sold several different banks. Um, kind of to your sentiment, Rick, like we have a not very great relationship with the bank that sold us on this because they gave us a lot of money and didn't give us a lot of restrictions around it. Um, so we go out to this blue ocean and then we run out of gas because of our cash conversion cycle. So uh, anyone know what a cash conversion cycle is? Pretty simple. Um, it's like, okay, I have to buy something from a vendor in order to sell something from a customer. So it's how... Um, much do you buy, how much inventory do you have, how soon do you have to pay for that inventory, and then how soon do you get paid for that inventory. So if you get paid before, for that inventory before you have to pay someone else for that inventory, that is a good thing. right? So that's actually a negative cash conversion cycle. Um, if you look at Amazon's growth, uh, Amazon has been able to grow with negative cash conversion cycle. So here's simple, if I have five days of inventory, I have 30 days of receivables, but I don't have to pay for it in 71 days, I have a negative 36 day cash conversion cycle. Um, So if you can figure out how to pay people for stuff after you get paid for it, you can pretty much grow as fast as you want. In fact, like Amazon, you can actually grow uh, losing money. So here's just quick P and L, million dollars of revenue, $750,000 of cogs, $250,000 $250,000 of gross profit margin, $260,000 of expenses, oh crap, we lost money. Uh, but if we're growing at a 10% growth rate month over month, um, and we have a negative 30 day cash conversion cycle, uh, now we have $1.1 uh, million of revenue, our COGS are still the same to uh, 25% gross profit margin, our expenses go up, our net's negative $15,000, but because we made more money than we had to pay for it, we actually have $90,000 of available cash to run our business. Um, now, I wouldn't recommend running business like this uh, because there's going to be a great speaker later. Prof first is, you know, you want, yeah, but this is actually how Amazon grew. Um, Amazon didn't make money for like what 15 years because um, they were growing so fast and they had an amazing cash conversion cycle. Uh, this is their cash conversion cycle versus like Walmart and Costco. Uh, all great companies, but Amazon's growth curve is insane because they buy stuff and don't have to pay for it until you pay them with a credit card Uh, many, many, many days after that. The point is understanding that. That's one of the things that we didn't understand going into uh, a program like Allmade and our rental program that was very successful. So we ran out of cash very quickly because of those two things. Our inventory went from like $3 million to like $9 million in a year Um, and that, will very close running out of business. Um, Fortunately, our team has definitely done a great job. The integrators have taken it over the reins and turned it back around based on Uh, Burning down the inventory and implementing the right systems, so not ordering too much inventory. Uh, Decreasing our errors, which then increase your margins. Um, Getting paid faster, so we partner with a company called Credit Key that allows us to take net 30 terms, but we actually get paid up front with them, like processing a credit card. uh, So that's a big deal. And then um, managing expenses and maintaining profit, so ensuring that you have profit before you're doing other things. And back on profitability, back on a growth uh, phase because of those things. Um, and again give all the credit to the team that's done that. So what what are we looking forward to what what's the next Blue Oceans? Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know what that next idea is going to be for us and that's kind of one thing that like Keeps me up at the- night. I always wanted to build like a billion dollar company It's like just kind of like my dream right up. Hey, Mama, why would I be a billionaire? Uh, so I don't know what that is is it it um, is it a rock? Is it international business? Is it really looking at some of the environmental impact programs we're looking at? Is all made. Um, what I'm really focusing this year on is partnerships because I do think that we're better together. So um, one of the reasons why I love working with Brentavo is because it's a great partnership. And so really working on how can we use partnerships in this industry to really, really grow. Um, and then uh, what's happening with digital? Could that be it? What's happening with the t-shirts? Could that be it, what's happening with international? Because we're only one part of a very, very big uh, globe. And then how do we use that all to have a better impact? So lessons that we've learned um, in this is in the questions that I wanted to ask to end. So brand, so remember your purpose, keep your values in, in front of you, and but really ask your customers what that is and what does it mean to your customers. Um, products, so what other products do you sell um, can you sell to your same customers? okay? Um, customers, what other customers can you sell your same products to? Um, marketing, What's your ROI formula? you know how, What is it? And do you know it? And once you figure it out, where can you invest smartly in advertising? Sales, How are you adding value and how much does that cost you in that sales value stream? Um, finally, Business systems, are you building a systematic business process? Do you have processes written down? Are you using those processes in line with your systems, like Gruntavo, to run your business? And are you training your people and allowing them to improve them, not you being the person that improves them? And then cash flow, what's your cash conversion cycle? Everyone should go home and figure that out. It's pretty simple math, you can Google it, Um, you should know it. You know what's awesome about screen printing? Is it's got a pretty good cash conversion cycle because you typically, don't have to pay for shirts. You turn them around pretty quick. You get net thirty terms. So, but what is yours? You know, on your, are you holding too much inventory? Are you getting paid too late from customers and not getting being having great terms for your vendors? And how you can can you change that? And how does that compare to your growth rate? And then what's your funding backup? So, who's your integrator on your company and who's your innovator? If you don't have both, how can you find the other guy or girl? And then finally, who can you partner with uh, to be better together? So. Ask yourselves those questions as you go home from this conference. You're going to come with, up with a lot of different ideas. These are some of the books that I've read uh, that have really kind of ingrained some of these concepts. So my top four favorites, obviously the Blue Ocean Strategy, e Revisited, Business for Punks, um, and Great by Choice. And then if you guys have any questions, uh, be here for the rest of the conference. Um, you can follow me, Ryan Moore, um, Ryan at uh, Rock and All Made, our main brands, and we have shirt samples out there uh, and appreciate it. So, let's open up. <laughs> okay, questions? Can you go back more? Yes. Right <laughs> oh, there, hang on. <laughs> this is a freaking awesome book right there. the they're they're all good books. Yeah. Uh, you had, you had slide before that. Oh. Oh, you want me to go back again? Okay, cool. Alright, yep. How did you get screenprinting.com? <laughs> so screenprinting.com, the first website we bought was silkscreeningsupplies.com um, one thing I, there's a really good book. Anyone have ADHD here? So if you have ADHD, you should read this book faster than normal. Um, <laughs> apparently one of our traits is buying weird random domains at random times during the day and night. Um, I think <laughs> I'm I like 3,000 of them, it's ridiculous. Um, so ScreenPrinting.com was bought uh, through an auction process um, and it cost uh, about six figures. So we didn't have that, we bought it in 2008, we took four years to come up with a strategy on how to launch it and then and, and launched it. Allmade.com didn't cost that much though. <laughs> it did cost a little bit
1: though.
0: Yeah. Rock.com somebody owns and they won't sell it. Dumb. You always you always laugh when I, I'm about to say something, but uh, I feel like you're the note king. Like you're always like on your computer plugging in things, like building different powerpoints and stuff. And um, I guess my question is like, when do you? take time to revisit those and actually integrate them because I always see you plugging away but and I do that but then I close the notebook and I probably never look at it. <laughs> so I do them all on notepad and then what I try to do is you remember like 80% more if you revisited so on the on the right home on the playwright home I'll go in and I'll, I'll have Suri read them back to me um, so I'll have Suri read them back to me and then if it's a good idea I just email Brandon and he does it. <laughs> So he's the integrator. It's text-to-speech functionality, you can Google it, it's awesome. Read legal contracts, remember I ate each day so I don't like read more than a paragraph, so she reads everything to me. Yeah? What's the 10th core value core element? Uh, I had nine takeaways. I was up to like 2.30
1: last
0: night profitable <laughs> well I think if you're growing right you're always going to stay profitable um, not, you, you use your available cash and make sure that you're not spending o- overspending to, to grow um, and so I think knowing your metrics knowing your ROIs when you're trying to invest in advertising and, and new stuff is very very important and you shouldn't ever overspend Mm -hmm. Did you ever pay your dad back? I did. He's a shareholder now. He's like, man, I should have just asked for 1% of your revenue. That would have been sweet. (laughs) You should (laughs) have, (laughs) dad. All right. Thank you, guys.